This evening's reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to chapter 5, verse 2, which is found on page 1175 of the Church Bibles. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to chapter 5, verse 2. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge themselves in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for you're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. It is lovely to see you all here, uh, particularly the young people out in good number. It's really great to see uh, you guys all here this evening. Let me start our time together in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are a consistent God, that in times of change, when times are easy, When times are hard, you are our sovereign Lord God. Thank you that we can come together this evening, uh, having faced whatever kinds of week, and we can know that, and we can hear your word speak into our lives and know that it is truth. Help us to have open hearts and ears to that truth this evening. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, let me tell you about James. James, a young man of 18, has just got back his A-level results. It's good news. He's heading off to university, but the excitement is soon replaced by worry. He's heard what university life can be like. He's heard about the amazing opportunities, but he's also heard about the challenges that will face him whilst he's there the many temptations, the peer pressure. And so he asks his church youth leader, how can I be sure that I will keep going as a Christian when I'm at university? 
when I'm away from my family, my home church? How can I know that I won't just pack it all in? Charlotte has just moved to a new city. She's finished her time at uni and she's now got a graduate scheme job and it's well paid. Things are looking good for her. But then the pressure from work comes. The deadlines fall thick and fast and the working hours grow steadily longer and longer. And gradually the thought of staying involved in that new church that she joined a few months ago Well, it increasingly feels like hard work. Having to commit time to the services, to others, to the small talk in the hall with tea and coffee, the inevitable rotors, is it worth it? (coughs) Alice is juggling work as as well as looking after her young teenage children. Life is full on. And into the midst of all that, someone from her church who she thought she could trust, who she thought was a friend, says something so hurtful to Alice that she is seriously considering leaving the church for good. How can... Oh, windows are opening. It's a bit warm in here, apparently. For Alice, how can she keep on going when there's that much hurt? How can she forgive in that situation? How can she keep going as a Christian? Well, when it comes to life, to resisting temptation, staying committed to the church, forgiving others, in all that, how can we keep going as Christians? It's been quite a uh, challenge this past week, trying to work out what I should uh, speak on for the service, for my final sermon. A part of me was tempted to go for the thunder and fury approach and look to cover all the things I've had grievances with over these past four years. (laughs) But wisely, I think, I remembered all my own shortcomings and the fact that there's a uh, farewell presentation after this. (laughs) And so I had a bit of a rethink. And as my time comes to a close here, I realise that the message that you need to hear is the message that I need to hear that we all need to hear. And that is, how can I keep going as a Christian? How can we keep walking the walk? And that's what this passage in Ephesians is all about. The verses that Sarah had uh, read out to us. It's on page 1175, and it would be great if you could have that open in front of you. As the Apostle Paul writes this letter... He is writing to a uh, group of believers living in the city of Ephesus. It's a vibrant port city with a lot going on, and not all of it is good. These Christians find themselves surrounded by a pagan society, a society that lives for the prophets, that lives for the gain, the many different gods, but definitely doesn't live for the God. And so the question for them, as they face all the challenges and temptations that come with living in such a city, is how can they keep going as Christians? And it's almost uncomfortably similar to the circumstances we find ourselves in today. It may be 2,000 years ago, but these Ephesian Christians are asking themselves the same questions we are. When the temptation comes, when the pressure from work comes, 
when our own church family hurts us, how can we keep going in our Christian walks? And God speaks through Paul to speak to the Ephesians and to speak to us here today, to show us how we can keep going, how we can walk the walk. And very simply in this passage, in Ephesians 4 and 5, Paul shows us two things. Firstly, who we were and who we now are. And secondly, what it means to live out who we now are. And behind this passage, behind those two broad points, lies one key theme. The answer and the solution to that big question of how we can keep going. And to, uh, to quote the rom-com slash sci-fi film about time, for me, it was always going to be about love. Maybe you've seen the film, but it says very clearly, for me, it was always going to be about love. And I think that's true for every person here this evening. When it comes to what life is all about, when it comes to who we are, when it comes to us and God, when it comes to us keeping on going as Christians, well, it's all about love. And this couldn't be more true than when we think about our identity. One of the things I've enjoyed most about this job, one of the great blessings, blessings is having the opportunity to see uh, the young people grow and, to de- and uh, develop as Christians. I uh, often see the 11 to 18s about three times a week at the various different, I think I've got some photos here as well, youth groups, um, which is great fun. Uh, and there's one-to-ones as well there in the mix. And then on top of that, there are the, uh, the special events that we run and uh, the weekends away and the camps as well. And during all those times, I've been able to witness how they've developed in their understanding, as well as their sense of fashion uh, as well, <laughs> and also in their desire to live for God. And amongst perhaps the greatest highlights will be those times when I've seen the young people nail their colours to the mast and say, this, this is who I am. At baptism and confirmation services, there you go, that's the picture I was looking for. As they uh, head off to university at those baptism and confirmation services, as they get stuck into Christian unions, as they reach out to their friends, their course mates, they know who they are as Christians And they want to share that with the world. As a youth leader, there can be no greater job satisfaction than that. But also during my time with the young people, I've been able to observe that there will be instances when there has been confusion. Confusion about who they really are. And we're aware, aren't we, that this sense of identity crisis isn't just for those in their teens or even in their 20s. Now, many of us will have had and will continue to have that sense of confusion as to who we truly are, questions about our identity. And it's not surprising, is it? Increasingly, we're told by the media, by our peers, our friends, the TV shows that we watch, that what makes us who we are is our gender, our sexual orientation, our likes and dislikes, our relationships, our work. And so the labels go up, and we find ourselves covered in things 
that are constantly shifting and changing, and we're told that that is our identity. Well, into that confusion, we hear the voice of the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians showing us who we truly are and who we truly are not. And again, it all comes back to love. The crux of this passage is in verse 1 of chapter 5. It's all centred around that because it's there that we see our true identity. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. That is who you are. If you're a Christian believer here this evening, then you are a dearly loved loved child of God. Tim shared with us some verses earlier about how we are adopted into the family of God. That is our identity. Or rather, that is now our identity. Because it has not always been this way. Have a look back at verse 17 to 19, where Paul shows us who we used to be. Speaking of the Gentiles, of the world, of those who do not know Jesus as their saviour and king, Paul says they are darkened in their understanding. We used to live in the dark. We were children of darkness. Which meant, verse 18, that we were separated from the life of God, which meant that we were ignorant about God, which meant we had hard hearts towards God, which meant that instead of having sensitivity to sin, to the things that hurt and offend God, we had given ourselves to sensuality, to all the pleasures that this world can offer. Sensuality instead of sensitivity. And Paul says that this is what it means to be a child of darkness. And this is, this is who you all were. This is the way you all walked, the lives you all lived. But not anymore. We used to be children of darkness, but now, see in verse 20 to 24, we are children of light and love. Have another look at those verses. Paul says, used to walk in darkness, but verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What's going on in these verses is truly remarkable. It's nothing short of a miracle. As Paul describes that movement from darkness to light, we're being shown what it is to be saved. And this wondrous work, this miraculous makeover, is your story. If you're here this evening and you've put your trust in Jesus as your saviour and king, then these verses are your biography. We've seen what it is to be children of darkness and to walk in those ways. And that is what we all used to be. But now, Paul says, we are children of light and love. And the transformation that has taken place in the life of the Christian is crystal clear. The transformation 
from being children of darkness, where we were once separated from the life of God. We are now given new life, eternal life with God. Where we were once ignorant about God, we have now heard about Christ and been taught in him. Perhaps a more helpful translation of this uh, verse, verse 21, is you heard Christ. Yes, they heard about Christ, but it goes further. They hear about Christ from Christ. And what comes next in verse 21 is incredible. They hear about Christ from Christ. And the verse says, And were taught in him in Christ, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So just to get this clear, the teacher of truth is Jesus. The teaching of truth is Jesus. And we're also told that we're made one with the truth. That is Jesus. If you ever wanted enlightenment, then here it is. Throughout my uh, time here, I've had the amazing opportunity to be involved in the M&M summer camp, uh, which I was hoping to get a cheer there, never mind. Um, (laughs) which many of our 7 to 18s uh, have been involved in uh, each year. And on M&M, there are all kinds of uh, fun and crazy activities that the campers and leaders alike get involved with. But perhaps one of the uh, slightly more bizarre experiences that I had from this last year's camp a few weeks ago came when I was simply setting down an activity. We'd been playing uh, a game in the woods, and I was bringing back the various things that uh, we'd been using But being uh, Madness and Mayhem, the name of the camp, it was probably around about 11 o'clock at night, pretty standard. And so away from the towns and the cities and the light pollution, I was very much walking in the dark. And inevitably, I managed to put my foot down about three different rabbit holes. I tripped over a fence, I got caught on some brambles, and I managed also to end up going in the wrong direction. I think if you'd been able to see me, you wouldn't have been able to because it was so dark. But if you had been, it'd be a pretty pathetic sight. This wandering figure stumbling, fumbling and falling, lost in the darkness. But thankfully, I eventually had the foresight to put down some of the stuff I was carrying and use the torch on my phone. (laughs) And immediately, I was a different man. I had protection and direction as I walked in the light. And in the same week, there were campers having similar experiences. Not so much lost in the dark woods, you'll be glad to hear. But as they were introduced to Jesus through the talks, through the dorm discussions, they were being taught Jesus, by Jesus, with Jesus. And praise the Lord, every year we have those wonderful stories of young people moving from darkness to light moving from ignorance about God to hearing Christ and being taught the truth. We also, in our transformation, uh, see that we were once hard-hearted towards God. We are now able to put off our old selves, verse 22, with its corruption, its deceitful desires and hard-heartedness. And instead, to despot it in its place, we put on our new selves. Our minds are renewed. Verse 23 says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, of your hearts. Where we were once consumed with sensuality and completely desensitised 
to the severity of our sin, we are now, verse 24, created to be like God. That's huge, isn't it? To be like God. From depravity and sin to being like God. How do we like him, though? Well, in righteousness and holiness. In being separate and distinct from sin, and instead being pure. Instead being those who live lives that are right in the eyes of God. The contrast is clear, isn't it? Just as the darkened and ignorant mind led to sin and to debauchery, idolatry and greed, so informed and taught minds lead to righteousness and holiness, lead to walking in the way of love. We were children of darkness, but thank God we are now children of light and love if we're trusting in Jesus. But what does this really mean? What does this actually look like, to be children of light and love? It sounds nice, doesn't it, to be a child of light and love, but in reality, what difference does it actually make? Well, in verses 25 to 32, we see what it means to walk in love. Just checking it was the right side. It is. It's all good. And Paul gives a whole load, uh, whole load of details, a long, detailed list of what walking in love really means. It means, verse 25, letting love shape our integrity, moving away from falsehood and deceit and, deceit, and instead speaking truthfully. It means, verse 26, letting love shape our temperaments, controlling our anger, not sinning and losing our tempers when we're angry, not letting time pass without resolving the issue, not letting the sun go down while we are still angry. It means, verse 28, letting love shape our lifestyle, being someone who gives someone who works and is useful to others, someone who is able to help those in need, rather than simply being someone who steals, sponges, takes and takes, and is no use to anyone, not even themselves. It means, verse 29, letting love shape our words, using the words we say to those around us to build each other up, to encourage each other, rather than using them to knock each other down with discouragements, short and harsh replies, or banter that can go too far. It means, finally, in verse 31 and 32, letting love shape our relationships. Where we, are, where we see that actually compassion and forgiveness, what characterises our lives, rather than rage and bitterness. This is what it means to walk in love. This is what it means to be like God and to be holy. This is what it means to live out who you now are as a Christian. The trouble is, it is very easy to read it, to say it, but to do it. When we think about doing this in the context of our own church family, the place where it should be easiest to live out our Christian identity, we very quickly see 
that actually this is anything but easy. Because how easy we find it to be dishonest with each other, to present ourselves as fine, happy, together with it, when we're not. Particularly as staff, as those who perhaps serve in church teams and on rotors, it's very easy to do that. To bend truths and snap facts all together when we're asked uncomfortable questions about our prayer lives and how regularly we read God's word by ourselves. It's so easy to be untruthful at church. How easy it is to simply come to church as a passenger, ready to take, but rarely ready to give and to serve. How easy we find it to let anger and bitterness build up within ourselves, even within the family of the church, where we use our words to make others feel small, the not-so-harmless banter, the discouragement followed by criticism. And so our relationships, that may seem civil outwardly, are inwardly centred around resentment and unresolved anger, rather than compassion and forgiveness. Can you see how hard it is to walk in the way of love? If we're being honest with ourselves here this evening, it's all too easy to see ourselves failing to love like this. Very much myself included. So what do we do? What do we do? We may have seen our true identity. We may have seen what it looks like to live out that new identity in our lives. But how? How do we actually do that? If you want to know how to truly walk in love, well then we simply need to look to the cross. Ephesians 4:32 to 5 verse 2 says, "Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We imitate God. We follow God's example. We look to Jesus and we see what it is to walk in the way of love. We look to Jesus' loved-shaped life and we see what it is to walk in the way of love, what it is to walk Uh, sorry, to live out our Christian identity. We look to Jesus' integrity, and we see that he not only spoke truth, but was, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life. We look to Jesus' temperament, and we see that even when he was angry, as he overturned tables of the moneylenders in the temple, he never sinned in that anger. And ultimately, on the cross, we see that he resolved God's righteous anger against us. He bore God's wrath upon himself. We look to Jesus' lifestyle and see that he came to this earth not to be served, but to serve others. We look to the words Uh, of Jesus and his relationships and time and time again we see that Jesus had compassion on the sick he called the sinners he knew them 
He knew their suffering and he had compassion on them. He even had compassion on those who nailed him to the cross, on those who spat on him, who mocked him, who caused him the greatest suffering. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We follow God's example. We look to Jesus and we see what it is to walk in the way of love. And we can stop and recognise this evening that Jesus did all this for you and for me, for us. Verse 2, he loved us and gave himself up as a sacrifice to God for us. So that we could have life. So that we could know God's love. So that we can be, verse 1, dearly loved children of God. And being dearly loved children of God, we can then, and only then, look to walk in the way of love. It's so important that we are a church that depends on this love. That we are individuals who trust in this love. Yes, we are called to love others, but it's not our love that makes us right with God. Tim Keller wouldn't be my final service without mentioning Tim Keller, very helpfully writes on the topic and says, we are not saved by the love we exercise, but by the love we trust. It is by that love, the love of God, the love of Jesus hanging on the cross, it is by that love we are saved. And amazingly, it is also by that love that we are then enabled to love others as we have been loved by God. Not, that, not so that we can be right with God if we love enough, serve others enough. No, if we're trusting in God's love for us, then we are saved. We are dearly loved children. But as dearly loved children, we can start to simply live out who we now are. So when that question arises of how we can keep going as Christians now and in the future, we can know that the answer is love. God's love for us as his dearly loved children. The love that we're called to show others. The love that we can only show as we follow the example set for us by Jesus in his great love for us. It really is all about love. We keep going only by Christ's love for us and we keep walking the walk as Christians as we walk in the way of love, loving others as God has loved us. Across my time here at St Mary's, as a part of this church family, I have seen what it looks like to walk in love. I've seen individuals who have used their words to encourage others and to encourage me. I've seen what it looks like to forgive others, even when there's been real hurt and pain there. I've seen those who serve week in, week out, incredibly sacrificially, and yet do so joyfully. I've seen a loving community, and I have known that love firsthand. 
And in so many ways, it has been such a blessing to have been a part of that and to see so clearly what it means to walk in love. But we can always learn to love more. And if we're going to love others as God loves us, then we will always be able to grow in our love for each other. There will always be areas where we find it easy to love and areas where we find it hard, where we can work at walking in love. But behind it all, we can have that sure knowledge that we, that you, if you're trusting in Jesus here this evening, are a dearly loved child of God. That is your identity. And knowing that, we are driven to love others. We are called to love as Christ has loved us. So, St. Mary's, brothers and sisters, walk in the way of love. That is how we can keep going as Christians. Let me pray. Lord God, you know how lost in darkness we would be without you, without your Son, without your love. First and foremost, help us to be a people that runs to that love, that clings to the cross. Father God, I pray that if there is anyone here this evening who does not know that love for themselves, that they may turn to you and may, may they know you as their Saviour and King. And Lord God, for all those of us who do know you as our Saviour and King, help us to live lives of love. Help us to walk in the way of love. Not to be right with you, not to be saved, but because that is simply who we are, living out our identity as dearly loved children. We thank you for all of these things, for these truths in your name. Amen.